Welcome to another episode of Magic Proving Grounds, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that proves power creep is a thing and always will be. So what you're saying is don't have a pet deck because inevitably it will fall to the wayside, right? Yes. Is that the idea? Actually. I concur. John, I thought power creep was that like uh, that extra creepy uncle who sat outside his niece's house. <laughs> or when Radiohead turns it up to 11. And it sounds like a super, uh, super villain. Power creep versus Superman. <laughs> Anyways, what have you guys been doing this week? I'm Ben, by the way. I didn't get introduced. Oh, but... yeah. I forgot to do that. You, yeah. <laughs> I threw you off. Super villains. Um, so oh, nice. I'm your host, moderator Dave, and with us this week is Ben, who already introduced himself, and also waiting for him to jump in. Oh, I'm supposed to introduce. I, I am. I am superior Jeez. Dave. <laughs> he, he earned that title. I didn't realize that I was responsible Again. for my introduction. Just trying some new stuff out, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure you should be rolling the red carpet out for me after I trounced you over. Get the uh, trumpets out. I'd, I deserve a band playing an introduction. I'd like a like a wrestler walking down the aisle. I'm like, where's my intro music? Yeah. yeah. That'd be sick. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I want one of those. Yeah. I wonder how much I could get, like, saliva or something. <laughs> I swear to God, if you put... It's live as my intro music. I'm not going back on the podcast. <laughs> hey, it was the it was the only washed up band I could think of. You at the put some click click boom in front of me talking, and I'm walking out of here. <laughs> Dud. Uh, so, other than hating on saliva, what have you guys been doing this week? I have been messing with that deck that we brewed last week, and then also trying to figure out, still figure out how to make Jund a thing that works. Uh, it's not going well. That's uh, Jund in Modern? Yeah, in Modern, yes. It works in Modern, you mean? Trying to make the Jund cards that you currently own work in Modern? No, well, yeah, but it's the same problem I had last week, and I keep bitching about it, I know, but it's just not a very powerful deck. Even if you have the Renin 6, it's still not... It needs some cards. Hopefully with Dominaria, it gets some cards. Good news is that you can flex into other callers pretty fairly easy. So if you own John and you're sad because it's your pet deck, Death Shadow is a good option for you. Mm. I vote you just keep staying sad. John had its time. It will be back. You can just be the the sad John player of the comic book store. I mean, I mean, every deck has its time. You know, Control had its time and. Zor's control, like every, and, and then it died, and Mono Red Aggro had its time, and then it died, and Jund had its time, and now it's dead. Yeah. It's time to move on. And now it's four-collar Yorion piles all over the place. Just I cannot stand piloting that deck. I've not piloted it, but playing with it is a nightmare, or against it uh, is a nightmare. Yeah, so I, I was helping a buddy of mine practice for Modern Tournaments once, and so he made a bunch of proxy decks for things that were in the meta, and I would, yeah. pu- and I would pilot does. them against him and trounce mm-hmm. him most of the time. Uh, but piloting that Urion deck is, like, it's my own personal nightmare. I already hate the idea of having an 80-card deck. And then add all that urine shit to it. And I'm just like, this is too much. 
Yeah. You can tell you don't play Commander because you're like, shuffling 80 cards is the worst. It fucking sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I play Commander. I've got the giant Popeye the Sailor Man arms. Ah. Shuffle that. Oh, yeah. Nobody's business. It's a workout. What have you been doing uh, this week, other Dave? Superior Dave? Uh, mostly just taking that mono red deck that I beat y'all's ass with. And uh, been playing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting other people with it? Well, I, I can assure you that our ass appreciate the fact that you've moved on to other people. Until we get these sideboards done. Yes, we'll be doing sideboards later. But we'll talk about that later. I, myself, have been doing uh, uh, a little bit of brewing. I got to the point, and speaking of pet decks becoming unpowerful, my red, my mono red deck, aggro deck, has finally gone to the point where it's not winning enough for my liking, and I so I had to rework some stuff. So on arena, on arena, yeah. For what format? Explorer. Um, okay. So took out some uh, some cards, put in the the soul scar mages that I'd been like putting off, including because I didn't want to spend the wild cards on them because they're, mm. uh, they're rares, but I put those in there and then I added some play with fires and stuff, kind of beef that up. So it's helpful in the sense that now it plays a lot more like the, the pioneer variant of Monterey aggro, right? Uh, which played completely different than the, my former Monterey explorer deck so getting the practice in for when we finally get all the pieces for the pioneer deck (laughs) waiting on that swiss spear which if my prophetic abilities are correct will be in dominaria united hopefully i if if we were gonna bet i would bet you ten dollars it would not be there oh you want to make a bet sure Um, let's do it ten dollars it's not in there i have said can we do ten dollars worth of paper magic cards (laughs) <laughs> sure uh, and the reason why i say that is because they just printed it in double masters so that that's my big mm. n- negative against it but they, and they changed the rarity yeah they weird enough. They, they rarity shifted it down so i don't know i still think they're going to print it it's, it's going to be in standard thing double masters doesn't get into the standard it does feel like one of those cards that like uh it dominated in the standard that it was in like you saw it all the time that they would reprint and it would just kind of be like, okay, yeah, that's here now. Like uh, the way Lotus Cobra was, you know, like Lotus Cobra, when it came out the first time, it, you saw, it was in every standard deck. Every standard deck was flashing green mm. to have a Lotus right. Cobra in it. Mm-hmm. And then when they re-released it in, uh, what's that, was that Syndicar? Yeah, yeah it, Rising. It, it barely saw any. Like it saw play at the very beginning because everybody was like, I remember how powerful Lotus Cobra was. And then <laughs> it was around for like a month and then it was gone. Yeah, I, I had somebody play that landfall like a landfall deck in paper and standard against me and i saw that lotus cobra and i was like oh that seems pretty powerful and then i trounced him like, so, maybe not like, that's and not yeah, right and that your listeners that, again power, power creep, creep. <laughs> like yeah <laughs> but so i like the way the mono red deck is i might tweak it a little bit more but it's pretty good went ahead and picked up the explorer anthology thought i was going to do some green ramp into uh, the Eldrazi, which one, uh, the stupid looking one with the hands, 10 10 exiles, okay. 20 cards. Which one? What's the name uh, of that one? Olgmarg, uh, the one with hands, Ulamog, yeah, the one with hands, not the one with the tentacles, the one with the hands, <laughs> Ulamog, Ulamog, yeah, Kozilek? that one, the 
Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that one. Thought get I, these hands. Yeah. Fixing to catch these hands. No. So put together a deck. I was like, okay. Turns out I don't know how to brew green ramp stompy. So that is a complete disaster. I need to uh, sit down and really give it a good think. I think you need Shrine to Nyx to get that. You think? Yeah. To actually hard cast that, you probably need. Mm. Because um, it is not fast enough, didn't have enough threats. Yeah. I think I could make it a little but better. I know Green um, Ramp needs some early, bigger bodies just to uh, yeah. fend off the wounds. Um, I was, yeah, I was thinking about Walking Ballista and uh, Hangerback Walker, adding those in there. See how that helps mm. with the early and mid game. You got Layer of the Hydra in there? Uh, no. Or a couple of them? Oh, you need those because okay. you, you just pump it into a 12-12 or whatever and then attack. I'll definitely look into that then. So did that, played a lot of the the gate deck too, which we'll talk about later. I think we'll go ahead and move on to the news. Dun, dun, dun. 1950s radio. Beep, 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 beep. Let's go ahead and talk about the uh, summer sale. Not the steam summer sale. Which is drastically better, I would imagine, unless you only like magic. But the uh, Arena Cosmetic Summer Sale. When does the Steam Summer Sale start? Oh, it's already over. It's over. They they start it for my birthday because I personally know um, Gabe Newell. Gabe Newell, yeah. Me and him are Does he send you knives? Yes, all the time. Knives. Knives as in the Sonic character? (laughs) No, No. like actual blades. He, he's obsessed with them. He has a whole collection. Or is yeah. that am I getting that mixed up with somebody else? Probably am. I'm like surface level on Sonic lore. <laughs> no, okay, let's go with <laughs> knives as in the character from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, Chow. Sure. That one. Did yeah. you just say sure anyway. like you haven't watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? I watched oh, it I definitely once, have. man. It was alright. It's a really good uh, movie. I <laughs> the way you say it, though, is like uh, like you either didn't like the movie or you didn't pay enough attention to know even what goes on in the movie. That was good. Like, dude. And either way, look, I've never been more disappointed in you. I'm sorry. I am a disappointment to everyone around. That's me. where that's where I became aware that vegans get powers. Right. Is that not true? No. I don't it's like, so. look at Tom Brady, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Tom Brady's a vegan? The whole world yeah. makes sense now. I don't know when he became a vegan, but I imagine it was somewhere before his like second super run. You know how he had that middle drag in the middle? And then mm-hmm. I think he became a vegan and then just like started winning Super Bowls. It, again. it was right yeah. after he watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He saw... Uh, yeah, he's like, oh man. Brandon Rouse, he was like, man, that guy has played like six superheroes. He really has. Yeah, because he was uh he was the Adam in in Ant or not Ant he was the Adam in yep. uh, Arrow where he transitioned mm-hmm. to a different role somewhere. In Legends yeah. of Tomorrow or whatever. Uh he was Superman yeah. at one point. He was the vegan dude. Yep. The only person I think he's got him yep. beat is Chris Evans, who has like seven comic book appearances. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Flame on. He's got uh the the role in the losers. Uh, Captain America, Human Torch, Push, the Snowpiercer role. Like he's he he's worn out the comic book welcome. This week on Comic Books with Ben, Dave, and Dave. Uh, yeah, I'll stop talking about my other hobby now. Do do Ryan Reynolds next? How many superheroes has Ryan Reynolds been? 
One. What? Two, at least. No, that oh. doesn't exist. Oh, he was the guy from Blade 2. He yeah. was in 3. He, he's got, oh, yeah, he's in he's got four, but I can't remember what the fourth one is. Look, mm. the one, the green one, is dead. He, he killed Look, say himself. what you want about the Green Lantern. All I know is that the bad guy in that movie was supposed to be Fear Incarnate. And I cannot think of anything more scary in the universe than a giant cloud of diarrhea coming to engulf the earth. <laughs> that is pretty. Sound like you're uh, speaking from personal experience. <laughs> it's horrifying, man. He's had to deal with lots of giant I've, clouds of diarrhea in his life. I've lost lots of sleep. Let's just say that. <laughs> speaking of clouds of diarrhea. Let's talk about the cosmetic sale on Arena. And... Uh, it, no, there's not much to say. You like cheap cosmetics? Other than apparently half of them don't work correctly. Well, you know. So, yeah, I had an experience with it because I saw the Tokyo Lands and I was like, those look really cool. Mm-hmm. I, they do look basic cool. Basic land. Yeah. Like, I'm always down to spend some coins on basic lands because I'm always going to use basic lands every deck that I build. Mm-hmm. So I bought them. And then I couldn't find them anywhere. I was looking all through my basic lands. Doesn't exist. Nowhere to be found. And then I saw there was an issue with the Matt Jukes stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, maybe the same issues with my lands. I'll wait until they get that resolved. A couple of days later, I'm doing more research. And they're like, oh, no. You have to filter it by basic land and rare. Why would a basic what? land ever Shame. be considered rare? It makes no sense. I, I, I really don't understand that. Can you buy? I, I would like an explanation. Can you trade in wild cards for these Tokyo Land? No. No, because well, when you go to select them, it's like you can't. Pur- you must purchase this from the store or something. It says. Why on earth would it have a rare rarity then? I wonder if it's not their like really backwards way of like making it so you can filter your basic lands like oh you want these so let's just turn on one toggle instead of just building a skin for uh, it, to you know? my knowledge you know it's saying? the only one that, that i have like that I, there might be other ones but well so the mad jukes lands are a little different because they're not basics right. but <laughs> they should be uncommon <laughs> those are an uncommon set of lands mm-hmm. uh I, I believe right drowned catacomb was uncommon Brown catacomb i think so rare. bound crag mm-hmm. Oh, maybe these... Okay, I'm thinking of the bounce lands that are uncommon. Mm. So these are the check lands, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's... Yeah, so I was thinking of the uh, the bounce lands. Um, But anyway, so yeah, those those deserve to be rares, but the basic lands... Yeah, this should should be in the basics category. I don't know. I, I think it's high time they just put like a the, when you go to pick your basic land, you have like you click it and then you change mm-hmm. art style and then you have a whole selected list of your art styles and you put that you pick that I, one. I so think just the say, issue with that is the amount of art styles that they have because while there's not a lot of them that you buy, there are a ton of them that they add every mm-hmm. set of just the basic mountain. Yeah, 
And I, I know this is armchair designing or whatever, but you could put like a system from favorites, like a layer right. of favorites, like, hey, yeah, they were or recently to. used or something like that. Um, they were talking at one point about adding uh, default, you know, pick your default land type, uh, like art. Yeah, they, but, it's high time they implemented that. They I haven't got around it's, to it yet. I, I am weird about my lands, too. I like to include one of every one of my pool art lands. So, like, I have one Nyx Mountain. Like, in every red deck, there's one Nyx Mountain, one Zendikar Mountain, and one Tokyo Mountain, at least. You still win this way, too, because that's ill-advised for competitive play. Because they look at your hand. I'll have you know that it's just way easier to not care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm not. I'm not too hell bent on it, especially in paper magic. If I have it, I have it. If I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to do um, something like that in paper magic too, where if there were, if I was running something, any card actually in paper magic, I would like to run multiple different versions of it, like every artwork of it that mm-hmm. I could find, like have four different lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. People were always like, I don't know why you do that. It's going to give away information. And I was like, I mean, maybe against the top level opponent, he's keeping track of how many different artworks of lightning bolts that I play. But if I'm taking up that much space in his head with just my lightning bolts, imagine what he's doing with all four, you know, or every card in my deck that's like that. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with him trying to juggle all that information instead of focusing on the match. Information overload. You just let you just like went up another notch for like meta play, (laughs) man. You're like out metting the meta. I I mean, feel free to try and juggle all that information. I don't really know what good it's going to do. So you know that I have four different arts of lightning bolts. Like, what what difference is that really going to make at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know I'm running four lightning bolts. Yep, and you can count them. They're in the graveyard. Yeah. So, like, what does the different arts, like, what kind of information is that giving someone that's... I think I think the idea is that if they look at your hand, then if you they see one art style and you play the other, then they know you still have the other one in your hand. I think that's the idea. Uh, You're probably more right if every card is like that, then yeah. they're just trying to juggle all this information, and it probably throws them off more than it helps. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, regarding cosmetics, I know it's all, we've actually, strangely enough, been on topic. Yeah. (laughs) But there's some cool ones in the store, so I guess get them if you want them. Yep. I I really like the uh, Matt Jukes lands. My my big issue is I I got a secret layer of these Matt Jukes lands because I really love the art. I know Mm -hmm. it's very simple and stuff but i i just really like it and i think they gave me a code for these and now you can just purchase them yeah was it a code for the actual lands or was it a code for sleeves of the art because they do that too um i wasn't i'm not sure because i've not claimed it yeah i don't i don't don't, i'm literally gonna hang these in a frame and put them on my wall i'm not like actually playing with them but um they are pretty neat looking I'll give you that if you're into the uh, abstract art style. I think it's. I think they give you the card sleeve or design on arena too, I, but it, it might be. But sleeve. here's the thing: I pretty much guarantee to you, any digital, any cosmetic that you get from a digital code in arena, 
will eventually be available to the public. They didn't make that code to not make money off of it. They didn't make these cosmetics to not make money off of it. And after a while, once the secret layer is over and you can't get it anymore, they can't make money off of it anymore. So they're going to put it into Arena to get a second round of money out of it. Right. I I know the secret that layer makes the secret layer less less exclusive. Right. I the guess. physical cars are supposed to be exclusive like that, but they've never made that promise about the digital currencies. You're right. I would check uh, the to see if I'm correct about them giving me those cards, but Secret Layer is not working right now for some reason. The website. Wow. They're preparing for a new drop. Oh no! What will it be? Okay, so uh, you guys have anything else you want to add to this? Secret Layer Fraggle Rock is coming, dude. Dude, I'd do it. Don't even joke about that. I'd do it too in a heartbeat. Um. But seriously, though, let's move on to the uh, last bit. Immediately of followed by Secret Lair Golf Legends. What would that even sell like hotcakes? You would take Lava Dart and you would rename it Hot Shot, and you would have like an image of a flaming golf ball. You would make you would make you a go. Tiger Woods card. Would you also make a Tiger Woods Mistress's card? No, it's no, but you see. You would need to be more subtle than that. You would make a Waffle House card. I think you did it. Somebody give this man a job. Speaking of designing cards and doing jobs, Mark Rosewater every year puts out a uh, state of design article modeled, modeled after the, the State of the Union address. If you're an American, y- you get the reference. Let's talk about that. Why don't we? Sure. The point, I guess I'll explain, of the article is to just talk briefly about what they've learned during the design process for the sets that come out this year. Yeah, and, and how they can improve in the how future. Reaff- how people reacted to them, how they can improve in the future. You know, just like It's a, like a layer of transparency. Yeah, and lessons learned. If you're a fan of the process of game design, it's uh, kind of en- enlightening from time to time. He's got good information on his podcast too. If you're, if you want to check that out, yeah. I recommend it. Unless, it's unless really you good. only have time to listen to one podcast and then listen to us. Let's start with lessons learned overall as the, as the article starts with, and then uh, they break them down per set. And then we can give our impressions. Uh, why don't you start there, Ben? In the lessons learned, he talks about uh, they need to be more conscious about backwards compatibility. Um, he says in this part, and then goes and gives examples later. You guys can read it. I, I don't think we're going to read the whole thing. I think we're just no. going to talk about what worked and what didn't yeah. in each set, right? Yeah. If we had one of those AI but, robot voices, I would say we should have them read the whole thing, but we don't. Dude, that would be <laughs> sweet. They want to be more conscious about backwards compatibility, uh, how the new cards interact with the old cards. Mm-hmm. That way they can better shape the game instead of completely changing the way things work and then making the old stuff obsolete, I guess is what he's trying to, okay. or hard to understand. Um, um, I like I listened to his uh, Comic-Con panel for San Diego Comic-Con mm-hmm. uh, where he introduced uh, some of the Infinity stuff. Um, and in that, he talks about how they're kind of changing how they look at design um, due to the fact that now the most popular 
format in the game as commander when in the past they had always viewed the most popular format to be standard because that's where they sold cards and that's what new people would play in and stuff. So there I didn't I didn't need them to get on a panel and tell us that they understood that. They've been printing commander cards as not ad nauseum for the last <laughs> year. Yeah. Well this uh this new outlook as far as uh, being more conscious about backward compality and stuff stems from that. So they you're gonna make cards that you just printed that have to interact with cards that you might have printed 30 years ago and being aware of those kind of decisions is, is what he's talking about, I think in this, this particular thing. And then he, he gives some pretty good examples um, later on in the article, but that's the general gist of the, the backwards compatibility uh, overall point. And then also since we're on the topic, the thing that little weirded me out about the overall his uh, lessons learned is when he uh, speaks about being careful with complexity, because also in the the Comic Con panel he did, he talks about how uh, now that digital cl- the digital client is more mainstream with Arena, and how digital is really good at handling and tracking complexity that they're more willing to uh, do more complexity-wise. Yeah, like push the boundaries of what's possible with magic. What's possible with magic and complexity and tracking because of digital exists. And in the paper form, now because Commander is the most popular format and also an extremely complicated format, that um, they're more willing to do complexity and stuff, but also he says they need to be careful with it. Learn that they need to be careful with it. So, I mean, I agree um, with it because even for me, sometimes like I, I will see a newer card, and if it has a whole bunch of stuff on it, I'll like if I, I have to read the card three or four times, and so I can't imagine what that is like for a brand new player to try and read that card and figure out what it does. And mm-hmm. yeah, one of the things that is and always will be important to the survivability of a game is onboarding new players. Whether you yeah. like that or not, no matter how much it upsets a lot of the tryhards who've been around forever, your game will die if you don't bring in new people. Oh, and I love bringing in new people. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think a good example of this, I'm going to throw myself under the bus, is when I misunderstood the Winota triggers. Go back and listen to one of the earlier podcasts. But back when I played before, the wording of the cards had changed, and then I took the 15-year gap. And when I'm coming back, I'm looking at it like I used to look at cards, but they're they're wording them different now, and that might be confusing to some people. I know me, right? So, like, when it says whenever this happens, like, I assume the attack phase was a singular thing. Like, mm-hmm. it happens once. So whenever a creature attacks, so it's, like, not, you know what I mean? And I think that, like, them trying to do all this complex stuff can get confusing, even to people who have played before, maybe, re- like, returning. And that's just an example. There are way more complex things than that that's actually my bad that i misread that but you know if i can do that 
I'm not a dumb person, you know, <laughs> then, you know, th- how I would they got they got to really watch that. I think it's understandable that you you misread how that trigger works. Um, mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, you know. Just the way the templating is on. Stuff. Yeah, well, because sometimes it says for each creature that attacks, mm-hmm. and uh, and then now this one says whenever a creature does, attacks. Does that trigger yeah. before so like, or after damage goes on the stack? The damage doesn't go on the stack anymore, right? Yeah, that's the, the, is it that's the point. Okay, <laughs> I was making, see, I'm not dumb. <laughs> it used to do that. It used to go on the stack. It, that that was the point of what I said. The last overall bit was that they need to be more conscious about how they talk about products. Uh, we'll just uh, bring that back up. You put a pin in that. We'll bring that back up when we talk about uh, another another set down here because uh, lots to say about this particular aspect. But we'll go on to uh, let's talk about Midnight Hunt. That's the the first set that came out in the year. In this article, he talks about all the stuff that they learned from these mm-hmm. sets. And I think we're just going to cherry pick things we want to talk about the sets, right? Correct? Yeah, that's, that's fine. So I'll go first and just bring up Midnight Hunt and the fact that it showcases uh, his overall point on be conscious about backwards compatibility because a lot of people were a little annoyed salty, if you will, that uh, werewolves from this new set do not work the same way older werewolves do. And that was a uh, key sore spot for this particular set. And, um, you know, I don't know why they didn't see that coming, to be perfectly honest, because people were very upset when they changed how slivers worked. So, How did they change slivers? Did I miss this? Yeah, well, I guess you did because it's been this way for a little bit. What happened while well, I was out of magic? In, um, was it 2010? When they released the core set, they changed um, before slivers affected the entire board. And then when they changed them, they only affect your side of the board. Does it say that on the card or does it? Yeah. The, so the old cards still work the same way. The old cards still work the right same way. way, yeah. Okay. That right there is a problem. Like, I don't see the werewolf thing as a problem. It's just you have to make sure – all you have to do is remember which card does what. Mm-hmm. But the slivers, now now it's like – Well, it depends on the sliver. When you mix and match and then it gets confusing and makes the yeah. board state all messed up. Yeah. Um, which I guess with werewolves, is that that's a problem because some of them flip – and the day-night cycle, and some of them don't. I was say, I think it's, I think it's that, actually that worse be, for werewolves because they're... Yeah, I just I just thought of that, so maybe it is a problem. I don't play with werewolves. But yeah, so. I say I didn't like werewolves originally, so the fact that they, they did it this time didn't really affect me any. I actually mm-hmm. don't like the day-night cycle. I think it's too much to keep track of. I don't mm-hmm. mind it. Um, I think it's it's a worse mechanic in paper than it is digitally. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be sure. real perfectly honest with you. I don't understand how it works. It just does it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's Yeah, it's a bad one in paper. It's it's harder in paper than... Because digital, it does, does it for right, you. Right, because digital, you have the little icon. It automatically switches it for you, whereas in paper, you have to keep track of... Did someone play yeah. two spells this turn? 
Yeah, you might miss a trigger. And, and then it gets even worse in paper when something like, uh, you know, say I play a brutal Cathar and then someone kills my brutal Cathar. Well, you still have to keep track of the day and night cycle for the rest of the match so that when I play my brutal Cathar, right. the second brutal Cathar much later, they know what state it's mm. coming in in. And right. so even though, you know, even though there's nothing on the field that it affects, you still have to say, they all will no one cast a spell this turn, so gotta be nighttime, or someone cast two spells right. this turn, so we gotta switch it to daytime. Now it's day. Yeah, so the day night cycle is kind of just uh, middling, I guess. Yeah, yeah I'm not, yeah. it's not my favorite mechanic by any stretch of imagination. It's good they tried it. I just hope they don't really do it more. But it seems to be a minute, uh, uh, like an Innistrad thing. So unless they go back there, and I'm sure they'll go back eventually. They probably will. They go back to everything eventually. Yeah. But just like they did not use the original flip mechanics from the first Innistrad, they don't have to go back to day and night cycles either. That's true. That's true. Um, the other thing that came and st- or started and was finished in Crimson Vow is the slow lands. And when I first looked at those lands, I was like, "Oh, this isn't the greatest." But actually, I found over time and actually using them in different situations that I do like the slow lands. So the thing about slow lands is they come into play tapped unless you have two other lands where the fast lands come to play untapped. Yeah. If it's you. Uh, you play far more turns the after the land. first two rounds of play than you do in Correct. the first two rounds of play. Yeah. yeah. So at first, it's like, I don't want this coming in tapped, but. Um, the fast lands I've had more trouble with drawing later on and then being like, oh, I, this is tapped now. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where you balance like your your fast lands with your slow lands and then you get a perfect meld and then it works good. Which is, so I, I do like the slow which lands. Which is zero fast lands, all slow lands. You, you wouldn't play any fast lands? I don't lands? like the fast lands. I mean, I, I, for someone who plays aggro even... And my early game being more important than my late game, the the fast lands just there's too many situations. Like I said, even with aggro, you're playing more rounds after turn two than you are before turn two. Yeah, and so there is a greater chance that the fast lands are coming in tapped than there are the slow lands. Yeah, I would say yes, um, because it's the first two turns. Right, right? and turn three and turn four, even though I am in aggro, it's those turns are still important. It's still important that I drop a three drop and a four drop or I double up on turn four. Either way, it's important that I have access to that mana the turn that I play it. The place I play the fast lands in the most is modern. And I think they're bolstered by having fetch lands where you go get your shock lands. So you don't really, yeah, I guess it, it is unfortunate when it's turn six and you draw a, fa- a, slow, a fast land, and you're like, oh, I was going to play a couple of spells, but now I can't. But yeah, the other formats I don't really like. Pioneer, I don't really play. At least four ofs, fast. I, I, I can't play. imagine playing four of either one of them, but I could see running like two slow lands or something. Because yeah. um, if you're going to go clear back to modern, obviously fetches and shocks are your fetch shocks and checks are kind of just all you ever really needed. Those are your bread and, and butter, right. And so if you're running anything else, it's like one or two of, unless you're doing something crazy with Cavern of Souls or whatever, but, you know. Right. Just a standard two-color yeah. deck. 
standard two color deck, you probably just need your your fetches, your checks, and your shocks. Yeah, most mana bases use fetches, shocks. Um, the is it Murktide deck uses four of the uh, fast lands, but that deck that deck operates on three lands, and I think it can get away with it because of that. Yeah, I guess that makes sense too. Uh, once you move into Pioneer, I think it's really just about what you're playing, what you're running. Yeah. Yeah, because that's more most like the pioneer decks use lands. They're land he- like heavy. They're not they're not smooth operating modern decks at three. You know, you need more. well. I, I Mark Rosewater has said it multiple times, and I tend to agree with him. Is that the biggest mistake in Magic was printing fetch lands? The biggest yep. mistake Magic ever made was printing fetch lands. I do agree with that. I don't disagree with that either. It's they're just. I mean, yeah. it completely changed the way Magic is played. If you remove fetch lands, Modern is a drastically different game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a Pioneer, people don't want to adopt Pioneer because the fetch lands are banned. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it it drastically... I mean, they, they won't tell you that's why, yeah. but that's why. It drastically changes your mana base and smooths it out in a way that allows you to run less land, more efficient land, and to go mm-hmm. multiple colors far easier than any other card and go fast yeah. um so yeah get exactly what you need to go fast yep now that we've veered off into a, a modern tangent i think that it's time to move on the crimson yeah, vow crimson vow Everyone's okay favorite uh-huh sure uh one of the key takeaways uh is that people really liked the wedding theme they did right I that's <laughs> that's apparently what their market research seemed to suggest. I mean, their market <laughs> research probably knows more than I do, but yeah. But no one that I talked to was like, "Bro, I love the wedding theme." <laughs> I am neutral on the on the wedding theme myself. It's hey, it's what it is. I did like the Edgar Charmed Groom card because when he dies, he goes into his coffin and then comes back three days later. <laughs> that was cool. But that is, has nothing to do with wedding. Is is Edgar Jesus? <laughs> He's vampire Jesus. Vampire Jesus. That's the Jesus I can get behind. They call they don't um, um, they don't call him vampire Jesus. They call him emo Jesus. I mean that's fair. I'll give him that. The um blood tokens were cool in the set though. I think that's my only notable thing about that. I feel like yeah. I feel like the blood tokens fall into the category of this is cool because it is powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I liked it. I liked the uh, synergy that they had with a lot of the cards that would do something when you used to uh, sacrifice the blood token. I liked the the interaction in limited, yeah, with blood tokens and stuff. So. Although, I think the naming of this is a little uh, non conventional. Like clue tokens, draw a card. That kind of makes sense, but blood token you would you'd think blood token would be something like you know you gain a life, lose a life, yes, something I don't like know, that. but it draws a card. I don't just discard with a card, you. but it just was a weird coming into that because this is the set that I started it just released when I started again. I was like, okay, so then now there's like seven different tokens that you can make with things. I'm exaggerating, but you know clue, treasure, blood food 
or whatever. And I was like having a hard time wrapping around which ones did what. And blood token was the hardest for me to get because it didn't make any sense. But the mechanic is cool. Okay. Well, moving on, let's talk about double feature. Oh, man. Double feature. It really showcases the overall. Everyone's favorite set. Yes. uh, When uh, Mauro says we need to be more conscious about how we talk about our products. This is the set that really showcases the need to do that because, man, was this set just not what (laughs) they sold people it as, you know? Um, Yeah. With the whole unique draft experience, you know, people are expecting to get, like, curated selection of cards from both sets that did something unique, not both Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt smashed together. Yeah, because I thought that's what it was. I thought it was like they pulled cards from each set, but yeah. they just smashed every card together in a set. Yeah, and then just put a slap the Photoshop filter on it and call it a day. Yeah, and these packs were like drastically more expensive too, which if you look at Crimson Vow specifically, there's not a lot of value cards in that set. It's mm-hmm. it's the worst set that came out this year by far. I think that's probably universally agreed, at least standard sets. And the idea of paying more money for a pack to get worse cards than if you just bought Midnight Hunt. What's in that what's in Capenna that's high? The Leisure Shredder. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> triomes? The Triomes. I don't think the Triomes are that expensive. No. I would look it up, but I don't want to. Uh, and and when I say value, I mean just like cards that are playable in multiple formats. Um, and well, even in standard, most of the cards didn't take off until just here recently. I mean, cards, uh, cards that are playable in multiple sets are also often defined by their monetary value because that right. is what drives up the monetary value is the fact that it's playable in other sets. Listen here, pal. We don't need your logic. Um, yeah. So, like, this is definitely don't, the post. Don't make me get a little mug out here throwing his hands. I do. I do think that the double feature idea of making it of the old black and white monster movie posters um, mm-hmm. make it look like that on the card is good in theory. But when you look at the cards, I I think that it just looks too flat. I think most of it, them just look flat. It's and doesn't they don't pop or stand out or. I think they just put a, yeah, like you said, a Photoshop filter over it and the call it a day. The thing that this would have required to make it cool is custom art. Because if you're going to do black and white art, you, you have to design that art as black and white from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because you have to have notable contrast to make things interesting. And when you just slap a Photoshop filter over... A, a flat layer piece of art flat. that is done in color, you lose a lot of dimension. Like, um, um, so the the design of that kind of thing has to be thought about ahead of time. Like, have you seen the pictures of the Munster House uh, in color, like the set? No. Uh, versus, you know, obviously the the black and white, and how they really went out of their way to make it look a certain way so that it looked good in black and white. Yeah, like Like, some of it might be purple and green, but normally it's supposed to be brown, but you don't see that because it's black and white. Yeah. Because they really paid attention to the contrast, right? The 
the monster house set for like the the living room area, the opening area that they they do um, a lot of the show in is like bright pinks and purples because that's what looked good and when you filmed it black and white, right? And right. Maybe, so the the design has to be a certain way from the get go to get it to pop. Yeah, in black or, and white. I mean, you could theoretically go in and like highlight certain sections and then up mm-hmm. the contrast in certain sections to make certain parts of the thing pop, mm-hmm. kind of like they do with the foil etchings. Well, mm-hmm. there's also uh, there's just a fundamentally different way that magic cards are drawn or or done. So, like for example, black and white sketch variants. Like I, I know mm-hmm. I said I was done talking about comic books. Apparently, I'm not. Black and white sketch variants are are very popular in comic books. They they do it often, where you know here's the main cover, and then we did a, a black and white sketch variant. But that's because comic books are are drawn in pencils and then inks and then color is added. Because most magic cards are just painted, mm-hmm. there is no right. black and white sketch for them to reference with that. There mm-hmm. is no bones to the painting uh, where black mm-hmm. and white makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think That's that like, yeah. kind of a dud. Was, yeah. Double feature was definitely a, a low effort cash grab on their part. And I think it really bit them for it uh, in the long run. So I guess we'll move on now, unless you have anything else you want to say. No. Uh, to, to Kamigawa. Uh, According to Wizards, the home run set of the year. Do you guys agree with that take? Mm, yeah. I agree with it from their perspective. Mm, I agree with it from my perspective. I agree with it in the fact that I love Kamigawa and I'm glad we're back. And I love the cyberpunk aesthetic and the neons. I think they really... I mean, really if you love Kamigawa, you should probably be upset because you only got one block of it this time. Well, I mean, look, when you've Take been you told get. for the last 15 years that you're never going back to Kamigawa and that <laughs> it, nobody liked it, it sold for crap, and that, you know, you're never going back, and then you go back, you're like, I'm happy. Would it, I have liked to have been on it for more than one one set? Yeah. It, but, it is weird because, like, when I thought about it, I was like, I, I remember liking the Kamigawa cards. But also, Kamigawa was the set that I quit during for a while. So I'm not sure it's a Kamigawa problem versus it came after the Mirrodin block. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like the Mirrodin well, block. A lot of people like the Mirrodin oh, that's, block. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, the gr- it's a great block, but it you, try following that. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I guess that's yeah. fair. The Kamigawa did have its problems. Uh, I'm not going to say that it didn't have like mechanical problems, but yeah, they uh, the, upside down cards and stuff. Yeah. The yeah, their attempt at the the double cards and the Kitsune Mystic um, was one of my favorite cards. I played. I've built around that card mm-hmm. multiple times. Uh, Spliced Arcane was hella parasitic, where you could only play with cards from Kamigawa yeah. to make yeah. it work. Which yeah, it did have some design issues. Yeah, yeah, it did. But there were some overall. There were some standard decks that were just not fun to play against. I remember that yeah. the Neon Dynasty uh, variant of Kamigawa. I I appreciated it 
all mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's definitely my favorite set this year that came out. Mm-hmm. The Channel Lands are and have proved to be very valuable in multiple formats. Mm-hmm. Fable of the Mirror Breaker is like off the rails in yeah. Pioneer. I don't know. Standard it, all over, it, all around. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good idea to ever set out to fix a, a broken card. Right. So, uh, the, the Fable of the Mirror Breaker specifically, um, I feel like such a big deal has been made out of it, but I have never felt like I was playing against that card and it was unfair. Yeah. I mean, it's a must kill for sure. I don't, mm-hmm. it's not that annoying. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I have not had any overly large. You know, it's coming. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing, uh, the Wandering Emperor will single handedly take over a game. That's great. I love that card. And the real reason you like Kamigawa comes out, and it's just the Wandering Emperor. Waifu. <laughs> it's 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 Wafu nonsense. We've we're on to you, man. The and reconfigure. I I loved equipment when it was introduced in Mirrodin, and I always said, Why can't I just unattach this from my from my creature? And now you can. And it and it's even better than just unattaching it. You turn it into its own creature. It's great. Uh, I think design I, standpoint, that's like they knocked it out of the park. I do like reconfigure. I'll give you that. Pretty good. Channel Pretty lands good. getting around to fairy three nonsense. That's yeah, it's just, it's great. Yeah, I've got no complaints. I think we could talk all day about how great Kamigawa is, but rather than do that, let's move on to uh streets of new Capenna. Can I have as good? Yes. Connive, I think was a real hit. Um, I think one of the lessons they mentioned in there that I want to bring up is that uh, Mark Rosewater agrees with nearly everyone in the fact that the uh, Triomes should have been called Triomes and not Xander's Lounge and Proving Grounds. Although I do appreciate Proving Grounds for obvious reasons, so can't be too mad about that particular card. Can they just uh, call it the Proving Ground Triumph? Yeah, they could. Yeah. The Proving Ground Triumph. Yeah, Proving Grounds Triumph. I can dig it. So, uh, there. Just, just, just make a secret layer and with, uh, re- with, uh, Godzilla reskins on, yeah. on them. No, just. So I think those were the two big takeaways about Capenna, particularly. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about? I mean, I like the art style. I liked all the animal uh, ra- character types, uh, creature types. Oh, my goodness. My brain. All the animal character. Uh, Jesus, Lord almighty. <laughs> creature types. Um, we're cool. I liked raccoons. I liked, uh, I liked that. And that was another thing they had mentioned was that people like the animal creature types all right let's uh let's wrap up the uh year of design with uh battle for Baldur's gate the paper version and then if you guys want to take a moment to complain about how come we can do that too uh the um, only thing i have to complain about in uh the paper version is you make commander legends 2 uh be a D set that they just released in AFR. And then you like reprint some of the cards from AFR 
instead of printing other cards that might be more of like commander staples. Yeah, like like uh Darkside Extortionist. And yeah, well, they were saving that for double masters. Oh, yeah, well. We know why, but I you <laughs> saying, you know, those are but, the, like the, Deadly Dispute was re- just printed, you know. And then they reprinted in Battle for Baldur's Gate, but they could have printed a more important commander card mm-hmm. that might be harder to find. Yeah. Or, like there's other examples in the set too. But a lot of what people complained about was it didn't feel like a commander set. Like it, it didn't feel it, like it was giving you commander staples. Yeah, I agree. I think people expected more reprints and got none of what they wanted. They didn't get any any magic callouts. That was one of the things that the original Commander Legend set was really known for was it hearkening back to the uh, yesteryears of magic and giving us, uh, in particular, legendary creature cards for characters that uh, have really become iconic. And then we get none of those things in this set. If you're a Dungeons & Dragons fan, you got some good stuff, I suppose. Mm. Um, but nothing that really well fed a magic fan's desire yeah. for. So when somebody says com- this is a commander set, you're expecting mm-hmm. like old cards being reprinted that are harder to get a hold of, so make it mm-hmm. more accessible for commander. Like throughout the year, they've shoehorned commander into every single product. They make specific cards in every single set. For Commander, you know, and like they already did it with AFR mm-hmm. and they're they're making an do you need a Commander Legend set anymore? And if you're going to make one, make make it reprints. Like don't make it new cards. You've already done that. All new your cards and reprints. Sure, oh, I don't. but a wider percentage of reprints. Yes. You know, like and mm-hmm. not reprints of cards that just came out in the last year uh, or two years. Yeah. Like older ones that you can't find. That's what people want. Yeah, that's and what people wanted. Yeah, I'm hoping that they they learn their lesson with that. Yeah, um, I think the only positive thing, and I can't speak to this because I never played the the format that they mentioned about this particular set was that people liked the draft format, which oh. I did not play. That's not what I heard. Or sorry, I heard that they didn't like the pre-release. Because typically in pre-release, it's a sealed. Uh-huh. But this one was a around-the-table draft in the pre-release. Yeah. And people did not like that. Well, that's a lot to expect, especially from new players. Yeah, pre-releases, that's the whole point of pre-releases, is to get new people to come into the stores and mm-hmm. try stuff out. And then you expect them to draft when that yep. is drastically more uh, difficult to do than digging through your pile of cards and putting together something and it's a pre-release so you don't know what's in the set really unless you're super into the cards so you don't know what your draft strategy is right yeah and if you're you're super more of a casual player that's not yeah it's not good for you exactly so but overall wizards felt that people liked the draft strategy the draft format but like i said never played it can't speak to it um Baldur's Gate Alchemy. I don't know. What are you guys' opinion on that? You want to touch on that a little bit? I I haven't uh, really played with it, so I don't know. 
using a design problem is using the same art for a different card. Yeah, I think that's the biggest. Yeah, we've already beat that drum a little bit. So I don't know. I'm not a fan of the draft format. I played it a couple of times. I didn't really like the alchemy aspects of the draft format. So, yeah, I'm not really a huge alchemy fan, so I didn't really play it at all. You want to take a break? Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome to the home of the John Junkers. I'm the proud owner, Mr. Chambers. You're a Mr. Goyf? Is that right? Yes, that's right. But you can call me Tarm. Okay, Tarm it is. You are applying for a position on the team. As such, I invited Coach Waters to sit in. He evaluates all his potential team members. Thank you, Chambers. I have a keen eye for slackers. You aren't a slacker, are you, Goyf? No. I only get better the more the game goes on. The more things are out of the game and filling the yard, the stronger I get. Oh, I haven't seen you play recently. Not even sitting on the sidelines. That's because I'm a star. I don't get sighted in. Teams are built around me. Forgive Coach Waters. He can be a little bit overzealous. Tell us why you want to be a part of the team. I'm a ferocious competitor and difficult to put down. I've been known to close games out. Oh, okay. Impressive. We are looking for players who bring something special just by walking onto the field. Do you have any abilities like that? No. Oh, okay. Well, we look for team players. Players whose sheer presence make those around them better. How do you improve your teammates? Well, I don't really... Current game plans are focused on removing everything in the yard. How well can you stack up against this adversity? I can still block, I guess, but not a whole lot. We need someone who can consistently attack and defend. Play both sides. We need a gasher. Can you bypass defenses in any way? Trample through them? Go over the top? No. Can you put the pressure on as you come in? Go right for the throat? No. What are you here for? Are you vigilant? Menacing? No. Okay, okay, look, look. You seem like a nice kid, but you're past your prime, Goyf. Things are different now. They're harder, faster, stronger. Hell, ever since the competition turned up the heat, players like you aren't even sideline worthy. Well, 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 well. What Coach Waters is trying to say is you were quite popular in your time. I feel like you still have the hearts and minds of the fans. That's why we're excited to offer you the job of Team Mascot. Moving on to the main discussion. So let's talk about sideboards. We did the challenge decks last week, and there was a lot of uh, back and forth between uh, certain individuals about (laughs) sideboarding and how their deck would be better or worse uh, because they didn't have a sideboard. I I think that you're misrepresenting the, the discussion here. 
the the discussion was actually how important sideboards are to the game of magic. Yes. In and the and the, uh, the counterpoint was that this challenge was a best of one, and that's what we were playing to. So we are talking about sideboards to see how they would improve our decks or the play for a best, how we would do it if we were playing for a best of three. Yes. That, right? that, that accurate? Okay. The, the, that's the give or take. The point being, let's move our best of one decks into the realm of best of three. And talk about how we would build sideboards for them uh, based on what we understand their weaknesses are and and what have you. Okay. Who wants to go first? That's the discussion. Who, yeah. Who wants to go first? Should uh, the winner go first or should the super loser go first? Uh, I'll go first since mine is pretty, pretty simple. I think the two things that I have been struggling with playing the deck have been elves if I don't have a chain whirler in my hand and uh no oh, the other burn deck because it's yeah and so the, i was thinking about adding something some sort of lower end board wipe to help with those two decks mm-hmm. uh, adding some artifact hate because i do see a lot of artifacts that i would like to destroy so probably put a braid in for that mm. braid's a good card and then the other Thing that I was I was debating putting in some lava coils to help with reanimation decks. I think that's a good add. Um, if I'm gonna build a sideboard, I'm probably gonna move Roiling Vortex to the sideboard and bring something else into the main board. Probably Annex to give me something with a little bit more power. Okay, what's Annex do specifically? Uh, Annex has power equal to your devotion to red. Ooh, yeah. Three toughness. He is two red, one colorless. He is an enchantment creature, and when he dies, if his power is greater than four, you create two one-one red satyr tokens that cannot block. If his power is less than four, you only create one of those tokens. Yeah, that's a good add for the main board if you're going to sideboard out Vortex. I agree with that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Vortex is in there for best of one because I play against so much life gain mm-hmm. and also so much of the Arcanist, which plays stuff for free. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not, if I'm going to be sideboarding, that's better to bring in against those decks rather than mm-hmm. just have it main board. I would put Annex in its place. Excellent. Um, how would you counteract the burn deck specifically? with sideboard cards. I don't know if you covered that. Primarily, I think I would bring in a braid and and whatever else I add to get the stuff lower to the ground so that I can kill their creatures more readily. Because okay. right now, the only thing that I have that kills their creatures is Bone Crusher. But like with that burn deck without Soul Scar Mage mm-hmm. and without the Gitu Lava Runner is really not that much. Okay. So um, you're doing the braid for both artifact removal and to kill burn decks faster. Right. Uh, and then I'd probably even bring in the lava coil just to make sure I can kill all their creatures. Nice. Okay. Probably, so, I would probably take out Robber of the Rich in that matchup because they're probably going to empty their hand faster than I am. Right on. Okay. Any other things you're going to add to this sideboard? I was debating adding an Embercleave, but I just don't know what matchup I would use it in. 
Okay. Okay. So I uh, expect to, to have your sideboard submitted on my desk by five o'clock, along with your pictures of Spider-Man. Which pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> the really juicy ones, obviously. Um, you know what I'm saying. Let's uh, let's move on to. Uh, there, there is a picture of Spider-Man. There's a comic book that I have been trying to get recently that I have not been able to find anywhere. That will be my picture of Spider-Man. Nice. All right, I'll submit whenever it. I get it. Yep, on my desk by five o'clock. Just the the cover. I don't want to see what you're talking about. Anyways. Back to the podcast. Let's move on to uh, Ben's deck and uh, let's hear what he has to say about sideboards and what to do about them. I'm going to start my discussion by saying I've changed my deck a lot since before. I wasn't really completed brewing it. I'm still kind of messing around, but I removed red entirely because I I realized Dave's point of one card for red, even, even though the card was really cool and it helped. It it made it in the mana inconsistent. So I removed red entirely and went a kind of different route with how I make the Thopters because that's the whole point, making the Thopters. Um, I added some Esper Sentinels to improve card draw and the Psy Ma- Master Thopterist. Uh, my artifact balance is a little heavier now after the changes, so Psy has more value because he makes a Thopter whenever he you play an artifact. So... Um, yeah, cast in. Oh, that. now you agree that Psy has more value? After well, you argued with me about it for like a half hour? No, I I said there was three choices, and the last build of my deck went was using a Steel Overseer when I had to lock it in, and I should go back to Psy. That was my thing. Anyway, um, so with that, with those changes in mind, I think that as far as the sideboard goes, I actually win pretty consistently in best of one. I haven't done ranked yet. I'm still kind of wading in with it. The thing that I noticed that I, I probably should have more is more removal in the side for those uh, faster matchups. So put some cheap removal in there. You know, have the rest of the uh, March of Otherworldly Lights in the sideboard. Those are really handy. I also have thought about Chalice of the Void might be helpful on the side. Something like Curse of Silence where you name a card and they can't play mm-hmm. the card. Or, or they can play it but cost more. Or like a Pithing Needle would help to kind of spot hate certain matchups. And then mm-hmm. just some counter magic. What kind of uh, early removal are you looking into? Uh, so it'd have to be pretty much white. So, like I said, the March of the Otherworldly Light, even something okay. such as uh, Fateful Absence or um, I don't know exactly what's on Arena. So I'm trying to just pick standard stuff because I know um, that's there. Um, how would uh, uh, Settle the Wreckage work in this deck? Um, that is something I've also thought of. Mm-hmm. Because then when they hit me with a bunch of creatures, because that's kind of mm-hmm. the weakness, right? Early game mm-hmm. creatures, then I just destroy all their creatures that are attacking. And that would be handy. Yeah. That requires you to keep up, what is it, five? Four. 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 It's white colorless. Yeah, I was going to say it's double white. So. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that I do, if I'm not just casting a new card, mm-hmm. um, I, I use a lot on the at the end of turn. 
So mm-hmm. there's a lot of instant stuff or the retrofit or foundry. Mm-hmm. I usually typically do it at the end of turn unless it has mm-hmm. relevance. So keeping up like counter magic or settle the wreckage would not be a bad thing or like a thing that's tough. So awesome. Uh, do you have any suggestions uh, for his uh, sideboard there other day? I don't really know what matchups he's struggling in. So I'm not really <laughs> just yours. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Just mine. Uh, you still have March in there. I assume the main, yeah. the main deck. Yeah. Yep. And th- I used banishing light, but I, there was another card I came across that does the same thing, but has added stuff. So I'd switch that out in the main. I would almost, so if I'm the only matchup you struggled against, I'm going to assume you might struggle against that new burn deck as well probably i just haven't come across it i would think about portable hole in the sideboard oh do i not have Ooh, yeah oh i had that in one time i'm not current using it yeah portable hole's good um, it's an artifact too that might even be worthy of main to be honest yeah, yeah i don't know how main worthy it is because there's gonna be a lot of matchups where it's just not relevant because of how low to the ground it is mm-hmm. but I, I could be wrong too it might play great uh, that would be something you would test out, but I definitely think it at least deserves a sideboard spot. Good thought. Trying to th- there's probably some like uh, artifact cantrippy things you could put in there that draw you a card. Like, uh, was it Mindstone? Do you sacrifice any of your artifacts to anything? One of my iterations did. Before, you sacrifice but... uh, to retrofit foundering. Yeah. But is that any artifact or is that. It's a uh, Thropter or Servo. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking specifically. I keep saying Thropter, but it's Thopter. Yeah, the Iker, I think, is that what it is that the uh, Doom Foretold deck uses? Iker Wellspring? Uh, I think that's what it's called, yeah. The the two, you play it, you draw a card. When it leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. Yeah. Because uh, if you had a way to sacrifice it, then... Psy, Master Thopterus, also sacrificed to draw. So is that in any artifact, or is that Thopterus, though? It's just any artifact. That might be a good thought then, because then you get the draw from it and you get the draw from Psy. It would be a good way to fill your hand up. I might experiment that with, so with that in the main, actually. Kind of low on spaces. but Those are the ones that instantly come to mind. Excellent. Okay. Again, I expect you to submit your sideboard to my desk by 5 o'clock so we can put them on uh, Moxfield. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you a brief rundown of where my deck is. Uh, after we fixed it and added the uh, guild summits and the plazas, it smoothed smoothed uh, things out a little bit better. The card draw from uh, guild summit really helped bring the deck out a little faster. That was the thing that we were most struggling with in the challenge. Um, so that's good. Um, the... Things I've noticed uh, as far as potentially problematic matchups for my deck have been uh, like Super Friends decks. I have like, I had no interaction with Planeswalkers. So you pop down a Planeswalker, it's it's going to be there the rest of the game. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, which is crazy frustrating when um, Teferi starts just vacuuming your board and you've got nothing you can do about it. Uh, um, so what I ended up doing, cause I didn't know this card existed until I was looking into things. Um, uh, I switched out rabid bite for, uh, thrash and threat, which is a card from 
Ravnica Allegiance, and it's a it's the double uh, split modal card that the first half for hybrid gruel mana. Two of those is a rabid bite, but it also affects planeswalkers. So nice target creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker for hybrid gruel. Hybrid gruel, so two manas. The other uh, one makes a four four beast. Is that correct? Yeah, the other one makes a four four beast, which is helpful when um, I'm not getting my uh, gate specific threats like right, no, ram that makes and, a lot of sense. and like, and whatnot. So I switched, yeah, switched that out. So that kind of helped in that aspect. But I I feel like I probably need more than four threats for those. For those Super Friends decks. So, uh, in in the Super Friends decks, is it specifically like the fairy that you're struggling with, or are there other? It's it's cool, man. Um, there's one deck that is, I think it's an Esper deck that is just every f-ing planeswalker, man. Uh, the Liliana's like Professor Onyx. Uh, and the one that makes uh, is Professor Onyx, the one that makes zombies. Um, it's a Liliana that makes zombies, and then sacrifices. Uh, it's just it's just every planeswalker, honestly, just in general. But mostly the the really uh, the Esper variant of that Super Friends deck is the one that I really had lots of problems with. So if it was anything else, or if it was just that, I was going to say you should put Fry in your sideboard. But... Uh, what's Fry do? Uh, it's five. It's one red, one colorless, instant five, and it can't be countered, which is important in a lot of those super friends decks. They almost always uh-huh. have blue. Yeah. Um, and it, it it deals five damage to a creature or planeswalker that is white or blue. Okay. So it goes after the fairy, little fairy, Ashok. Okay. Yeah, that that's helpful because um. Uh, I will probably consider. I'll probably put that in the sideboard because uh, Narset part of Veils stopping. Yeah, it was after Narset is rough. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something I'll add. Um, another deck that I've had problems with uh, is the uh, Enchantment uh, Curses deck, where they just drop all the the damn curses on the board. Okay. Uh, um, I have no enchantment interaction, so I was thinking about adding some of that, but something better than just destroy artif- uh destroy enchantment. But what's the one that it's um destroy all our, all enchantments? Uh, there's several of them, but what's the one that Tranquility is is what I thought of, but I think that's older. Yeah, that's older, but this is tranquility, but newer than that is it naturalized is that what it is i can't really i don't know if it's all that's not or all, not but, i don't think no i think it's one. But obviously like an enchantment board wipe uh for sure oh there is a white one that is like you can choose back to nature back to yeah that's it so um definitely adding something like that in there and um it only costs one green and one colorless too it's really and it's an uncommon that's dope. Yeah, that's definitely going in the sideboard. Um, then the freaking gruel and destruction deck is particularly painful. Oh, I bet. Um, so, 
Um, what is your thoughts on just keeping a couple of basic land in the sideboard and popping them in for when they like field of ruin me, I don't lose mana or whatnot. I have two thoughts there. The first is that it's probably a good idea to run two basic lands main board anyway. Okay. Actually, that's what I was just for, just for that situation. All right. Um, and then the second was that you could run uh, maybe in the sideboard, but some of those indestructible artifact dual lands. Ooh, yeah, that's better. And then also in the sideboard, I would think about Poseju. Poseju is nice. Pithing Needle stops the field of ruin. What's the channel effect on Poseju again? I just destroy enchantment. Artifact creature any- enchantment. Oh, yeah. okay. That would be good because I don't have any artifact interaction too, so that might be. I, I would say it's a little bit broader. They do get to search up like a basic land or something. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it gives you yeah. a way to deal with enchantments and artifacts. Excellent. Yeah, those are all solid suggestions. I think that, that we're going to kind of go ahead and. Uh, do you ever have a problem with creatures like going too wide on you or anything? Mm, not or does re- Gates of Blaze pretty much deal with that? Gates of Blaze is really good at dealing with that, um, as long as I draw it. <laughs> um, well, hopefully with Guild Summit, you draw it more often than you used to. Oh, certainly I do. Um, so that's good. Also, if like obviously in the uh, the red decks, you understand that early threats are bad threats. Yeah. So being able to take those out with the um, Bone Crusher Giants in the uh, threats, uh, threat and thrashes have been have been good. So I typically don't get overwhelmed too bad before I can draw a a, a Gates of Blaze. So I t- I typically don't have issues with go wide. I think we're good with dealing with those main deck as is in most cases. So um. Seems like we've wrapped up this discussion. I think we've all got good uh, directions for our sideboards. Uh, again, we will be posting the new versions of the decks plus sideboards on our Moxfield page. Uh, so when we post the show, just go to the show notes and you can look at everything that we've done uh, in the sideboards and how they changed versus the original uh, constructions of the decks for the challenge. Those are already up there. Uh, so I think overall this exercise has been interesting um, as far as like walking through the deck brew process and, and stuff. So I hope everybody found it at least kind of interesting and informative. Anyways, all right, now that we've ended the the last challenge and we've thoroughly sideboarded our decks and whatnot, let's talk about the new challenge. Okay, what's the new challenge? It's my challenge because everybody has done a challenge so far. So, so I you should win this one? Oh, probably not. But this is in more my wheelhouse because we are going to build decks for the Gladiator Challenge. That, uh, that the Gladiator like event. It is out of my wheelhouse. What is, what is the Gladiator Challenge? Ah, yes. We will post a, a link to the uh, announcement for this. But the Gladiator Event is a new format for Arena in the fact that it's not a, really a new format. It's funny how they talk about it in the article and read it in there, but 
the gist of the gladiator event in the gladiator format is that you have a hundred card, uh, singleton deck. Uh, so it's commander without the commander. And then you play best two out of three. That's, that's the format. So, so um, real quick, just to be sure, this does not exist in arena yet. So we cannot actually, we have to trust each other to stay within the format. Is that correct? It starts at August 11th and ends August 15th. Yes. I, I you okay. can build a hundred card deck. I, I don't think this is going to be a continuing format. I think it's just for the event, or at least that's what yeah. it sounds like in the blog post. And in but, terms of how we are building this, uh, yes, it, anything goes, any card goes, or any. There is a list of cards that are banned. This the thing that the thing that is interesting about this, and it says it in the article, is that this is a fan created format. So people have been running these things since twenty twenty. Um, so while it's not officially supported in the client. It's always been something you could do to answer your question earlier. So, um, anyways, it's like commander without a, the commander. Yeah, or brawl so, without anyways, the commander. Cards that you're not allowed to, to use are field of the dead, natural order, nexus of fate, Oko, thief of crowns, and Teferi time raveler. Those are banned. Can't use them. Don't try. Um, obviously also in case you want to build a really crappy deck for this challenge, y'all, um, cards that bypass deck limit also bypass the, uh, multiple copies in this format as well. So persistent, uh, persistent petitioners and what was the other one? Rat colony or whatever it was. It was in seven uh, dominaria. Yeah. Right, seven dwarves still has the seven card one. Yeah, but you can yeah. have seven. So if you want to build a 100 card rat colony deck, you can. Um, I don't know why you would. They're cra- it's crappy. There you go. That's a thing. You Challenge accepted. <laughs> I might do it just because then I can just blame Matt and be like, it's a meme. That's why I lost. Okay, so going over the gist of the challenge again because we kind of went pear shaped there for a minute. 100 card singleton format, best two out of three. No sideboard. That's the of them. No we side. can use alchemy cards? Yep. You can use any card in... Uh, oh, sorry, their original versions. All cards available on Magic Arena are legal in their original versions, except for the following banned cards. Okay. So if cool. it has... Uh, you can use Goldspan Dragon, but the paper version, not the alchemy version. Mm-hmm. But assumably, if it's an alchemy card that was created for alchemy, it just functions yes. as it's normal. Yes. So you can use the gates from Baldur's Gate as they have no other version. Got it? Got it. Got it. Okay. So for all interested, we will be streaming our challenge event uh, on Monday at 1 in the afternoon. And you can catch us on our twitch channel uh check the show notes for the link and that's at eastern time yes we run on east coast time all right well now that we've announced the challenge let's wrap the show up ben why don't you tell everybody where they can find us 
You can find us on Twitter at MPGPod. You can find me on my personal Twitter at BeNiceMPG. Where can they find you, Moderator Dave? They can find me on the Twitter spaces at Dave underscore MPG. Other Dave still has not discovered that the internet exists. But if you'd like to send him an email to the show, we will relay the information to him. You can go ahead and hit up show at magicprovinggrounds.com. Um, you might also want to send Ben an email explaining to him why his Rat Colony Gladiator deck will not work. Because I think maybe he's thinking about it. I'm getting vibes. <laughs> There's a hundred cards and a lot of cards. It. It's all card draw removal and rats. Yep. All right. Well, that's the show. Cue the outro music. <laughs> Dude, I got to piss again, and I got to go cook. You're on a diuretic? We, no, I just drank a lot of stuff this morning when I got up. I, like, <laughs> drank a coffee, drank a Dr. Pepper, and then I have, like, a 40-ounce water bottle I've been drinking out of, so. Oh, man. so bad, Are you man. doing, like, a kidney cleanse? No, I just drink that much water in general because, look, I like to drink water when I'm bored. It's I don't know better it's, than it's, alternatives. Yeah, I just drink a lot. Like if I'm not doing something, I'm just like time to drink. It's not because I'm thirsty. It's just I like sucking on straws. Like <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, it's healthy for you. Yeah. So anyway, just don't do the I'm, thing where they hold the wee for your wee and then die because you didn't pee. Yeah, then I want my kidneys to explode, man. Yeah, you should probably go pee.